I love those lines that say, he's running after me. I, I feel this morning that's what God is going to do in this service. He's going to make people aware that he's running after them. Uh, you may not be particularly running after him right now, but he's running after you. And uh, I'm believing that God is going to speak to us this morning. Now, before I begin my sermon, so don't start your countdown clock yet. Uh, before I begin, I, I want to remind you again that next Sunday will be a very special uh, offering Sunday, um, seeking to bring in money to um, pay for our newly refurbished uh, Riverside Kids area. Uh, those who have been around a while here, you know how much that needed happening. And um, we are seeking uh, next Sunday to bring the money in so that we can finish this year debt-free altogether in what we have done in that building. The cost of doing all that remodeling uh, of the children's area was over 300000 uh, we've already brought in 140,000, and uh, the desire is, is that we bring in the rest, 160,000, by the end of the year so that we finish the year debt-free as a church. Um, now, you should have been given one of these uh, cards over the last few weeks. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up at the connecting point after service, and um, it shows you that um, the way we're doing this is that um, you will be able to give a one-time gift next Sunday, or it can be that you will make a pledge um, that you're going to give monthly up until the end of the year, uh, or you can give an end-of-the-year offering, and uh, you'll just um, put that on the card so that we know exactly um, what the congregation is doing to seek to um, meet this need. Uh, you've already heard as well from Michael that Wednesday will be a day of prayer and fasting, uh, the sanctuary being open from 9 till 3 for you to come and seek God with us and to um, uh, ask God exactly uh, what you are to do, maybe in the whole plan of God uh, for Riverside, not only in your giving, but your whole life as part of Riverside. We're planning these days of prayer and fasting uh, to be something that's going to be happening here at Riverside a little bit more regular than in the past. So uh, look out for that. But Wednesday will be that time of prayer and fasting. Did you know that when you are giving, you are more like God than at any other time? By giving a compliment, by giving an encouragement, or giving an invite to people not only to come to Riverside, but what you need to be doing now, you need to be looking out people who have children or whose kids have children, and you begin to invite uh, people with children to come to check out our new children's area, and who knows, we may be seeing families come to know Jesus as a result of that. So uh, I'm picking up that challenge to invite anyone who I know with children or who knows people with children to invite them to come and check out our new ministry area. When you're giving out an invite, or when you are giving to the fund that's going to finish the year with us not only having remodeled but pay for the remodel, when you are giving 
to bless God's kingdom, when it is that you are saying, I'm part of what God is doing, I'm part of the kingdom of God, when you give to extend God's kingdom, that is the time when we are more like God than at any other time. Because how many know we have a giving God? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He is a giving God. The greatest gift ever made to mankind came from God Himself. He is a giving God. Now, as we come to the Scriptures, I want to begin, I'm going to do a number of Scriptures this morning, but Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, uh, we find the Apostle Paul saying these words, He said there in verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. And he puts those words in there, the Lord is at hand. Let me read this verse now from the Amplified Bible, which is a Bible that looks at words and then amplifies them, brings out the full meaning of the word. It's a great Bible to read, by the way, the Amplified Bible. Um, it'll take you a little longer to read because they amplify the words, but it is a great, great Bible. This is what Philippians 4:5 says in the Amplified Bible. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit, The Lord is near. He is coming soon. For the Apostle Paul and actually all the apostles, they were big into preaching, the Lord is coming soon. They were concerned about pressing into God. They were not religious. They weren't just attending church. They weren't just turning up on Sundays. They were men of God, women of God that were pressing into God. And they were concerned about living this life right and leaving this life right and entering into eternity right. That was a big thought in their mind. They were concerned about that. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, one of the things we need to shore up, one of the things that we need to get right is this. Don't be selfish. We don't live selfish lives. Uh, of course, that's not talking about anyone that is here this morning. This is for people who de decided not to come to church this morning. It's not about you, right? He's saying, don't be selfish. Well, I'm going to preach it anyway, whoever it's for. He says, and be considerate. And then he uses this word, be forbearing. It means to be patient. It means to be self-controlled. It means to be forgiving. It means to be easygoing and merciful. And then the words, because Jesus is coming soon. You know, I am more and more convinced that we need to be speaking and preparing more and more and preaching more about the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Well, well, you say, well, you know, John, they believed that back in Bible days, and it's not happened, and, and, and um, look how long ago that was. They were believing that back then, and nothing has happened. And look at the time that's gone by since then. 
And I know and I understand that, but my stance is this. If they believed that back then, uh, that they were watching and believing for Jesus to be coming back then, then I really need to blow the trumpet and let you know Jesus is coming again. You see, the fact is that um, our soon is nearer than their soon. Jesus is coming soon, and our soon is nearer than their soon. We are nearer to the coming again of Jesus now than what they were back then. We ought to be more concerned now with the fact that Jesus is coming again. I feel I have a responsibility to be saying, hey, It won't be long now before we are standing before the Lord. In Romans 14 and verse 12, it tells us clearly that every woman, every man, every one of us will stand before the Lord and we will give an account on how we have lived our Christian lives. We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. Romans 14, 12 says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And so every Christian will stand before the Lord and give an account for the way that they live their Christian life. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, generosity is, is um, something, and of course it's the opposite to selfishness, that is not something that comes naturally to me. Generosity is not something that naturally comes to me, um, but it is the opposite to selfishness. In fact, I would say that selfishness is the most prevalent of human things and human things in our lives today. It is that we would mark out and see unselfishness uh, rare, but uh, selfishness is predominant. And if we don't guard against it, the Bible says that we have to guard our hearts. If we don't guard against it, it's going to ruin our lives on earth. And more than that, it's going to affect our eternal life uh, as well. Now, bear with me when I say this, that we Americans have a different way of looking at life than the Apostle Paul here did. We look at life and we say, 70 or 80 years, and if you're fortunate, a little bit more. The Apostle Paul lived with an eternal perspective. He had an eternal view of life. C.S. Lewis, when he wrote in Mere Christianity, he said these words, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most about the next. He was saying those who are most effective for God in this present world are those who live with an eternal perspective that they understand that we are living for God on earth and we have to give an account to God uh, in eternity. The Apostle John was a prisoner on the island of Patmos and he was 90 years of age and he wrote this to the Christians of his time and to the Christians of every generation since. 
He, he said this in 2 John 1 and verse 8, look to yourself that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Look to yourself. Can you, can you say those words with me? Look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. Now turn to the one next to you and say, that means you. All right. Look to yourselves. Uh, and, and so right now, it, it is that this message today is actually not for the person next to me. It's for myself. God is speaking to me. God is speaking to you individually. He, 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 well, you know, you can say, well, the one next to me needs it more than I need it. Well, no, God is speaking to you this morning. And, and it is that the Apostle, Paul, uh, the Apostle John is saying, he says, look to yourself. Don't look at others now. Look to yourself. It's to you personally. And read it again with me. It says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Say the word reward with me. Reward. Say it louder. Reward. You are obedient people. Well done. Reward. How many know that our God is a rewarder? You know, way back, right at the beginning of the Bible, you will find him speaking to Abraham and, and, and saying to him there, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Our God is a rewarder. God doesn't ask us to live this life for him and then not reward us at the end. He is a rewarder. Now you may say, well, you know, John, for me, uh, as far as getting to heaven is concerned, um, I will see that as a reward in itself. Just getting to heaven will be a reward for me. I'll just be glad if I get to heaven. Uh, and, and it is that the, it, it, it is a thought that you have about that. But I want to tell you this. That's not the way that God is looking at it. God is looking at it totally different than just getting you to heaven. Nothing we do or say goes unnoticed by God who is looking for every excuse to give us a greater reward. He is looking for every reason that he might reward us. Now notice what the Apostle John says here. He does not say, look to yourselves, that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a reward. No, he doesn't say that. Read it again. It says, look to yourselves that you will not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now I believe that every word of the Bible is inspired by God. I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. The Bible is a, a library. It's not a book. It's a library of 66 books. And God inspired each of the writers of those books with the words that they should bring and that they should say that would land up in the library that's known as the Bible. It is that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. 
You know, let me just throw something in here. On October the 6th, on Sunday evening at 6 p.m., uh, PM it is that Riverside Community Church, uh, St. Paul's Baptist Church, um, Bethany Baptist Church, uh, Grace Presbyterian Church, and there's another two churches that are not coming to my mind right now, um, but they are going to be meeting at St. Paul's Baptist Church uh, for a united worship night, and Pastor Devro Hubbard and myself have been asked to speak on the authority of the Bible, the authority of the Word of God. It is our belief that the Word of God is absolute truth, that the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. So when we see that word full in there, that you might receive a full reward, it's not there by chance. It means that we can miss out on a full reward. Uh, it, it is, it means that there is a partial reward scenario and there is a no reward scenario. He doesn't put the word full in there for by chance. He doesn't put it in there without thinking about it. He says, listen, when you stand before God, I want you to go into heaven and receive a full reward. I don't want you getting a partial reward. I don't want you to go in and not get a reward at all. I want you all to go and receive a full reward. He writes it as God wanted him to. God wants you to receive a full reward. You know, as my kids grew up, um, I learned that there is real joy in rewarding my kids for things that they did right. And I want to tell you that God is no different. I found that the rewarding good behavior creates an incentive, and incentive is a good thing. It is a good thing to give incentive for good things to happen. The problem that I see in society today, uh, and that I believe that society is going to suffer from in the future, is that we reward kids for doing nothing, and we reward them just to keep them out of our hair so that we can get back into our screens. And so it is that we are raising a generation of kids who get rewarded for nothing, who expect everything, and the fact is we're yet to see the results of that in our society. Now hear me right, good behavior will never get us to heaven, but good behavior will decide what our heaven is like. Oh, you need to hear that again. Good behavior will never, ever get us to heaven, but good behavior will decide what our heaven is like. Heaven will not be the same for every one of us. The whole idea of us sitting around on clouds playing harps is fictional. The whole idea that we're all going to be on the same level and all that's going to happen is one giant worship service, that is not what the Bible says, friends. The fact is that, that heaven will be different for every one of us. Look what the Apostle Paul says and advises in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Listen, do, do you not realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. 
All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, as I was putting together this message, I said to the Lord, this is not a message that is going to enable me to win friends and influence people. This is the kind of message that today we don't like to hear, we don't want to hear, but that we should be hearing more. Uh, It is that, listen, before this day, uh, there will be a day when we will stand before Jesus as our judge. You say, "Oh, oh, no, 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 hold on, John, hold on. No, no, I'm going to stand before Jesus as my Savior. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you will stand before Jesus as your judge. Every one of us. One day we will stand before him and he will make a judgment. The judgment will not be about whether we will get into heaven unless it is that you've not asked Jesus Christ into your heart and life to forgive your past and to give you a brand new start. And unless it is that you've not seen Jesus as your only means of getting to heaven, unless it is that you've never seen that Jesus is looking for you, and He wants to come and live inside of you, and He wants to give you a better life than you've ever known, and He wants to guarantee you an eternal life. If you've never received Jesus into your life, today ought to be the day when you do that. But for everyone else here who claim to be Christians... I want to tell you that we will stand before him as our judge, and the judgment will not be about whether we get into heaven. As I said, that has been decided by Jesus when he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, and where it was that he came and found me in the gutter of sin, and he picked me up, and he made me a child of God, and he brought me into the kingdom of God. The fact is that Jesus is our Savior. The ticket has been given. We're on the way to heaven. The fact is that we are going to heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. I'm not talking today about whether Christians get to heaven. I'm talking today about what your heaven will be like. I'm not talking about whether you're going to get there. You've sealed that by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's not about that. It's about what your heaven will be like. It's not going to be the same for everyone. And that's something the judge, Jesus, will decide. Here are the verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. Our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Now carefully listen to me. To my kids growing up, I often said to them, you know, you cannot do a thing to cause your mother and I to love you more. And then we said, you can't do a thing that will cause us 
to make you make us love you less. We love you because we love you because we love you because we love you. But you can do many things, many things that make us pleased with you. And listen, child of God, this morning, Christian here, you can't do one thing. You can't do one thing to make God love you more. And you can't do one thing to make, you love, make him love you less. But you can do many things to make him pleased with you. Every one of us believes in Jesus and we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will not be judged for our sins. Our sins have been wiped out by the crucified body and shedding of blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has paid the price for us to get to heaven. He has made it possible for us to get to heaven. He did it on the cross. He died in our place. He took the punishment of our sins. And you should get excited about that. You are born again. Believers in Jesus, you're on the way to heaven. We're on the way to an eternal life with Him. We will all stand before Jesus and give an account on how we have lived this Christian life. The Bible is very clear that Jesus will examine our works as Christians. He will examine our words. He will examine our thoughts and the motives and the intentions and the secret areas of our lives. You know, whenever we hear the word judgment, we immediately think of condemnation. But in the Bible, as you read the word judgment, in the majority of times, it's used in the Bible as a, a meaning a decision resulting from an investigation. So Jesus is going to examine our lives since we've become Christians. He's going to examine our works. He's going to examine our thoughts. He's going to examine our motives. He's going to examine the intentions of our heart. And then he will make a decision. And the result of that decision will mean that you will receive rewards or we will suffer loss. That's what the Bible says. I have to tell you, there have been times when I've stood here and preached and my motives have not been right. There have been times when I've stood here and preached when I was preaching and it was more about John King than it was the glory of God. My motives are then going to be judged. Those are the things that God will judge. What was your motives in doing what you were doing? As Americans, we prepare for retirement, right? We, uh, you know, let me speak to young people here. How, how many older people here would say today, um, I wish that I'd started preparing for retirement earlier in my life? How many uh, will say, uh, that's me? Yeah. And young people, the sooner you can start preparing for your retirement, the better. Take it from me. It goes quick. Life goes quick. But the fact is that um, uh, we prepare for retirement. 
I want you to imagine something with me. I, I want to imagine that you have a quarter of a million dollar home and um, it's insured, you are well covered by insurance, you have a great job with a wonderful pension waiting, when suddenly your home is burned to the ground and nothing is saved. Not only that, that same day, that same day, your insurance company goes bust and there's no insurance money that's covering the house. And not only that, that same day you lose your job and your pension is lost too. And that same day, that same day, social security goes bankrupt. Now how many know that's a bad day? You know, this is the language that the Apostle Paul is using here in this scripture. He says, this is the way that some Christians are going to enter into eternity. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I, I need you to just see another thing here before I talk about that whole scenario. Look what Jesus said of himself when he was talking to God in John's gospel, chapter 17 and verse 4. This is what he says. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. How many say thank God he completed the work that God gave him to do? He, he was able to say it is finished on the cross. He had completed the work that God had gave him to do. You say, that's no surprise, John. Jesus finished the work the Father sent him to do. He is Jesus. He came with a specific task. It's no surprise that he completed the work that he was sent to do. It's no surprise. Uh, you know, for me, you say, you know, John, for me, I, I haven't got any specific task that God has given me to do here on earth. I've got nothing that he wants me to do here on earth. And I have to say to you, that is not true. It is not true. Others will say, well, you know, Jesus was born knowing the will of God. That Jesus knew the will of God for his life. No, the Bible says very clearly that when he was on earth, he had to seek the will of God. So do you and I. Remember Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 30, I seek the will of him who sent me. He came in that human body, in that human frame. He became as one of us. And it says that he lived his life seeking to do the Father's will. Seeking to know and to do the Father's will. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he got to a real uh, cutting point. He got to the point where he was facing the cross and thoughts of not going through with it was coming into his mind. But then he came back to, not my will, but your will be done. He had sought the Father's will. He was doing the Father's will. And at that moment of decision when he could have, he could have decided not to go through the Father's will, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And he went through and he finished the work that God sent him to do. 
Look at these words of the Apostle Paul, if you will. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Oh, no. Now, I, I, I need you to put your listening ears on now. If you think I'm, I'm, I'm getting on and the time's going on, forget that for a moment. Remember, God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you as an individual right now. And I need you to put your listening ears on. Before the day you were saved, before the day that you asked Jesus into your life, before you allowed him to come into your life, even before the day you were born, God had a plan for your life. The fact is that he has written the plan that he has for your life. He has this plan that was written long ago. So how are you doing? How are you doing for finding the good things God planned for you from long ago. Are you just drifting through life? Are you, are, are, are you just going from day to day? Or do you know the will of God for your life? Are you doing the things that were planned for by God for you from long ago? God put the plan together before the foundations of time. And now it's for you to seek his will and to say, God, I want to do your will on earth. I want to walk in your steps. I want to follow in your way. I want to do your plan for my life. I've lived my plan in the past, but now I want to live your plan for my life. Or you say, well, John, you know, I'm a nobody. God wouldn't have a, any work for me to do. He wouldn't have a plan for my life. Or you may say, well, I can't stop doing what I'm doing now uh, because um, God knows how busy I am and I, I can't stop doing what I'm doing to find God's perfect will. Uh, or, or it may be that you say, you know, I have my 401k to protect so I cannot give up doing what I'm doing now to do the things planned for me from long ago by God. I've got my life, you know, John. I'm living my way, you know, John. I've got my plan for my life. I've got my career. And I've got my, 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 my. And so my question is, is it yours or God's will be done on earth as it's done in heaven? You may have given so much to help this church in the past that you say, I'm not giving anything next Sunday to that children's wing so that we finish debt-free. I, I, I've, done, I've done my share in the past. My only question is, did God tell you that or is that your thinking? Is God leading you or are you leading yourself? Are you is saying that's my thought or is that God's thought? Is it a God thought that you're thinking there? Now listen, my concern is not simply our giving to the children's area. It's doing what God has planned for our life from before the beginning of time. It's working out the plan of God for our lives that He has for our lives. You and I need to be sure that we decide to do what God planned for us long ago. Hey, one more scripture and we'll be out of here, right? So here's this scripture. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 14. 
Paul's talking of the judgment day again when we'll stand before Christ. He says, anyone who builds on the foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a, a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now notice Paul's concern here is not the foundation. The concern was what was being built on the foundation. How many know that our foundation is Jesus Christ? We are built on Jesus Christ, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Paul's concern was what uh, the building materials are that we're using to build our lives and to do the will of God. He, he is coming here and he is concerned that we're using the right materials. He is wondering whether we're using the materials that will last throughout eternity. Because the materials that won't last eternity will be burned up on judgment day. We will be saved, but like someone escaping with only the clothes they stand up in, running out of a burning building. You remember my scenario of that one terrible day? Paul says, I don't want your judgment day to be a terrible day. I don't want you standing there and everything you've built on the foundation now gets burned up because it's wood, hay, or stubble. It's wood, hay, or straw. Oh, I, I wish I had more time here this morning to open this up, but here is the question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we building our lives on the absolute will of God? Have we gone to God and said, God, I need to know the plan that you had for me before the foundations of time from long ago. I need to know that I'm in the center of your plan. I need to know that I'm doing what you want me to do. Uh, and so we go to him and we ask, are we building our lives on the absolute will of God? Or do we need to readjust our lives to seek to know and to do the plan that God had for us from long ago? Do we need to get honest and say, I've missed the plan of God. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going in my own way. I miss God's plan for my life. I need to readjust and come back to the center of the will of God for my life. We will only go into heaven fully rewarded. If we know the will of God for our life on earth, right now here on earth, and you may say, John, I'll just be glad to get into heaven. I'll just be glad to get there. Well, that's not me, friends. I want to please God. I just want to please God. I don't want to scrape into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to receive a full reward. I want to receive a full reward because that's what Jesus wants for me. Hey, listen, Jesus doesn't want us scraping into heaven. He wants us to go in with great rejoicing. He wants to go in and he wants us to go in with a full reward. 
in heaven, in eternity, if we've got this thought of just a big worship service, that's not what eternity is going to be like. In eternity, and our eternity is going to blow our minds. I'm trying not to get sidetracked to take you down a rabbit trail here. But our eternity will be full of responsibilities and positions and things that he will give to those who did his will on earth as it was being done in heaven. He is looking for people whose the will of God is the priority of their lives. He is looking for people who are saying, I want to do your will on earth. I want to do your will on earth as it's done in heaven. I want to walk in your ways and I want to be the man, the woman of God that you want me to be. I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to be just religious. I don't want to get taken up just with religious stuff. I want to do your will on earth. I want to walk in your plan. I want to keep to the center of your plan. God is looking for people with that kind of thought. Let me say to you again, so you don't misquote me and th make me out to be a heretic. Good behavior will never get us to heaven, but good behavior will decide what our heaven is going to be like. I'm concerned about Riverside's entrance into heaven. I'm concerned about your entrance into heaven. I don't want you just getting through as if you've escaped with just the clothes you're standing in through a flame, as, as the Apostle Paul says. No, I want you going in with a full reward. I don't want you going in with just a partial reward. I don't want you going in with no reward. I want you to go into heaven with a full reward, having found and having done the will of God. God for you on earth before you get there. Don't know what you're going to do, but today I'm making a fresh commitment. A commitment to knowing and doing the things that God planned for me from long ago. I want you to do the same. I want you to make that commitment. Oh, you say, well, I've messed up so much. Well, you're looking at the past. You're not looking at the future. God's plan doesn't end because you messed up in the past. He'll pick up where you are right now, and he'll begin to work out his plan in your life, and he will get great glory for doing that. So I want you to ask God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said someone would be here today and many, many years ago you made a commitment, God, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. God, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm surrendering everything to you and where you want me, I will go and, and God, if it's across the sea or across the street, oh God, I'm going to do your will. But actually, you've lived your will. You've done your thing right up until today. And God comes to you and says, I've not changed my mind about you. I've not got a different plan for you. I can pick up the plan where you are right now, but you need to decide. I'm going to live the rest of my life for his will and not my will. I'm going to walk in his plan and not my plan. He still has a plan for you to serve him. I don't care how deep into sin you've gone. I don't care how messed up your life has been. I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. He's not changed his mind about you. He's not changed his mind about the plan that he has for your life. And he wants to pick it up today.
And then I feel that we need to ask God, where do you want me to serve in this church? You know, we got a fantastic children's area. But you know, to have a fantastic children's area is, is wonderful. But if you've got no adults in there to teach the kids, how many know you've got a problem? And the fact is, we have a dire need for more adults. We have a dire need for more adults to serve in the Riverside Children's Ministry, uh, both on Sunday and Wednesday nights. You can choose to do it once a month or whatever, but we need adults that will say, not only are we gonna have a great children's area, we're gonna make sure that we are giving the best to our children because we are not babysitters of children here. We have a determined idea and thought and knowledge of what the will of God is for our children. We want every child to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We want every child raised up to follow in Jesus' way and to do Jesus' thing. A quick story here. Uh, you know, on Wednesday night, I was talking to uh, Randy Frisk and, 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 and Randy, uh, he was asking me, have you sold your house yet? And I said, no. Do you know I broke a record this week? It's a world record. Because on Zillow, they put my house on Zillow and 250,000 people have looked through my house. Can you believe that? No, I got that wrong. 25,000 people. You've all been through my house. Now, why don't one of you buy it? And here's the deal, I'll drop the price. $1,000, all right. but. But I said to Randy, we, we, we're not even getting anyone looking around. I said, you ought to have my granddaughter to pray for you, eight and nine-year-old. He said to his son-in-law, get your daughter to pray for pastor's house to sell. And this little eight-year-old came up and she was a little scared because I was the pastor, you know. And she laid hands on me and she started to pray, God said, and then she prayed heaven down, sell this house for him, God. You know, get someone to buy it. You know the one to, and, and she caused me to be lifted up into heavenly places. I believe my house is going to sell because of that girl's prayer. We are raising children to follow hard after God. We are raising children to press into God. We are raising children that need to know Jesus in reality and then work out His plan for their lives. And listen, we need teachers. We need people that will say, I'm going to sacrifice even if it's one Sunday a month. I'm going to sacrifice it to be in there. So I, I'm, I'm asking, where does God want you to serve in this church? And maybe it's the children's area. Then the last thing I want to ask you, I want you to ask God, what do you want me to give next week? Or between now and the end of the year, that's going to help Riverside finish that children's area debt free. Listen friends, before you leave out of here, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. If we're building our lives with wood, hay and stubble, if we're building our lives with wood, hay, and straw, it will be burned on the judgment day. 
We build him with gold, silver, and jewels. When we're doing the will of God, we're following hard after God. I want to tell you those are the things that will last throughout eternity. It's the thought that we build our lives in such a way that now in eternity we will receive a full reward. So as we come to sing this song again, God, you have been so faithful. The question is, are we faithful to Him? Do we know and are we following the will of God for our lives? Or are we doing our own thing? I, I plead with you, I plead with you, as judgment day approaches, as Jesus coming soon approaches, Oh, make the commitment, God, I, I may have messed up in the past, but God, here I am. I'm surrendering today. I'm going to be what you want me to be. I want you to show me your will. And I'll do it on earth as it's done in heaven. So let's stand together right now. And as we sing this song, if you are saying, God, I want to do your will on earth. God, I, I, want, I want to do your will. God, I, I don't want anything burned up on the judgment day. I want, I want, I'm not doing it out of fear. I want to please you, God. I want to please you. I know that I'm going to heaven, but I want a full reward. God, I want you to know I'm going after a full reward. I want to serve you well on earth. I want to please you on earth. And in eternity, be all that you want me to be. As we sing this song, if that's you and you really mean it, just lift your hand to heaven and say, God, I'm singing this. You've been faithful to me. My hand's going up because I want to be faithful to you and I want to work out your plan for my life. Amen.